0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. G'day, and welcome to another episode of Oz F1, a podcast of a community of Daniel Ricciardo lovers, which means haters of the FIA. That is especially true for this time around here in France. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Let's get into it. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host for all of ozf one Mr. Thomas J. Camp. Hello, mate. Very g'day to you. How are you? I'm well, mate, but it's just you and I this time around. Our man Tommy T is in South America doing it to the coffee fields there somewhere. He is. Big shout out to you, mate. Stay safe. Uh, We were definitely uh, keeping in touch over the course of the French Grand Prix, uh, and Tommy had a lot to offer. Uh, but of course, because he's not here, doesn't get any say at all. Especially because last time around, he was so wrong about Seb Vettel and Lewis Hamilton, and is there's he in- nothing he can say about it at this point. And it I love it.
1: Is he in Brazil or Argentina at the moment? Uh, well, I thought he was Colombia and Brazil.
0: I think he's actually, I think he's in Colombia at the moment. Uh, and uh, I'm not saying anything, but uh, whatever you're thinking of right now, probably true. Uh, so big shout out to you, Tommy. Hey, Campy. Let's let's get stuck into it. The uh, 2019 French Grand Prix at pora car a a second running uh, for a long time of this race uh, with the stat of because there was a safety car last year a 100% chance of a safety car was likely for this race that we didn't see just take your thoughts shall we of the race
1: boring And I very much predicted that last time. You did. You did. Um, It wasn't a great race. It wasn't very spectacular. Obviously, we're super fans, so we had some storylines that we were following. We had some drivers we were following pretty closely. The front of the field was the same as we've seen all year. Absolute Mercedes domination from start to go right through all the practices and to the finish of the race. Um, Still interesting for us. Obviously, Danny Rick had quite an exciting race from where he started, where he came from. So Mm. that was good, but other than that, on the whole.
0: Nothing really jumped out to any of us, I think, that sort of grabbed us and went, this is good. The only thing that was very exciting happened in the last lap and the bloody TV director, which is the same one from China, I can only imagine, came back to to work and uh, focused on Bottas and Leclerc. No Which just, was never going to yeah, happen. And no one cares about the top three at that point in the race. Do you know what I mean? Like, we have had such solid racing behind the the front of the pack for so long. That's mm. where we
1: want to watch it. This year, the mid-pack is where all the action is, and yet they failed to show us the most exciting part pass, pass <sighs> of the race. Ridiculous. But look, we- And they knew they were doing it when they cut to it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it's the last right. Oh, I suppose we should look at the top top three. No, no one cares about oh, – well, I mean, people care, but it's, it's not the same anymore at all, is it? Well, I remember
1: watching it live and we were watching that battle for six between yep. Ricardo, Yep, Norris, Raikkonen and, and Hulk. Hulk. yep. And we'd been gearing up to that battle for oh. about ten laps and oh. the anticipation was right there. And then all of a sudden they cut to that Bottas Leclerc. Oh. No one cares. Track battle, which wasn't even really a battle. And let's be honest, Bonas is not
0: winning this championship. Hamilton's gonna win the championship. That's so it's like, okay, what are we what are we watching this
1: for? The problem was when when it happened, I was watching on the, the timing yes, yep. on the left hand side and yep. I saw Ricardo drop back behind Holkenberg, I was like, Ooh. Oh no, he's gone off, he's gone too hard under brakes. But we didn't see it until about ten minutes after the race what had actually happened. Yep. Yep. Stupid. All the commentators are like, oh,
0: something's happened with Ricardo. And it's and like, can we watch that then, please? Dumb. If Dumb. you want to know how to properly be the director of a television race at Formula One, thomasjcamp.com.au, head to there. Uh, you'll be behind a few people like Christian Horner uh, and uh, Kimi Räikkönen, of course, but uh, certainly get in line to Dr. Campy. He can I sort you out. I know
1: absolutely nothing about TV and production and filming and all that, but I'm sure I can <laughs> do a better job. <laughs> like most like most jobs in the world, I You know, my self-esteem's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely think that I could do most things better than most people. Uh, Generally, you're right, except for (laughs) go-karting. Yes, except
0: for (laughs) go-karting. In which the last time you and I raced and you were in front of me, you went off, and this is inverted commas, people, with a neck injury. And to my (laughs) defence, half a lap
1: in, (laughs) I turned the corner and went, oh, Uh shit, that doesn't (laughs) work right. And I literally had pulled off about three times because it was too sore. Oh, yep. anyway. you, uh,
0: but you're a great driver, uh, probably. So that's a, that's a whole thing. <laughs> hey, Kevin, let's let's do our usual thing and uh, and go through uh, the pack. We've got a couple of pits that we want to talk about yep. um, for future years and a few other bits and pieces, but we'll do our, uh, our usual thing. If you're new to AusF1, welcome. Thank you for listening in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button uh, so you can catch up with everything that we are doing. We release a new podcast after each race at about two or three days after the race finishes. And uh, now we're getting a bit of a back catalog going on. You can start from the beginning and listen to our predictions for 2019, which were horrifically bad. Don't listen to the first podcast. So bad. (laughs) Uh, Clearly we have no idea what we're talking about at all. But anyway, I think we've gotten better and certainly the addition of uh, Tommy T has helped, but that is, that is all to do. So you can find us on, uh, on any, anywhere you find your your podcasts and subscribe to that as well. All the good places. Let's talk about – let's start with Haas because uh, Roman at his home Grand Prix uh, bailed out, was the only DNF for this race. Uh, They pulled him in at the end, right? They did. I mean, he wasn't really going anywhere near the points and the the battle that was happening at the back of the pack was Williams versus Haas, which I never thought were bloody – Say that again, second time in a row, considering last time around we had K Mag finishing behind Russell. Uh, this time, Grosjean out, K Mag just in front of Kubica, who was in front of Russell.
1: Haas does not have a good car on power sensitive circuits, and you said this last time. Yeah, if you look at the races they've performed on, they've been high downforce, like like you're not sorry, not high downforce, but. Not so power-sensitive circuits yep. and a lot of, you know, the aerodynamic, yeah, grip that were on the tracks like Melbourne. Yes, yep. And I was going to say Australia. What was the other one? They did Monaco was good. Yeah. And what was the other one they had in?
0: But so I think you're looking. You're looking at a car that is is designed outside of a team factory like McLaren, Red Bull, yep. and everyone has these in-house designers. They've got this external solution to the problem and it works really well in a sort of a middle ground track. And I think Melbourne is a good track to the sort of ground. say it's yep. in the middle ground. It's not high downforce and it's not high power. It's kind of a mix of all of those different things. Aero important, but power in the bigger straights is important as well. Good there because it's, Neither really here nor there. As soon as you go one extreme or the other, Haas really struggling. Um, And Gunther said after the race, too,
1: that was the worst race weekend that they've ever had.
0: He looked like that on the wall, didn't he? Every time the camera was on him, he just had his head in his hands. As I said, I'd love to see that guy behind
1: closed doors in the last two week, Uh, or two race weekends. I
0: wouldn't not. I'd like to be a fly on the wall, not a person standing in that room because you would feel incredibly embarrassed, I think, or just like you'd let him down, to be perfectly fair. But, ha, huh, so Roman didn't have very much of an exciting race.
1: K-Mag uh, wasn't even close either.
0: No, no. And you could see they were really struggling. It came, look, these two guys are really good drivers in their own right. I wouldn't call either of them uh, A-tier drivers. Can probably B, maybe K-Mag on a good day. You know, he had his stint with McLaren and his first time out, he got onto a podium. But
1: yeah. I've, I've rated Grosjean at times this year where he's consistently beaten True. up until Monaco. Yep. He'd consistently beaten K-Mag on trap Monaco, I mean, his qualifying lap was compromised. Yep. I I go through stages. K-Mag, he's a good driver. He's got some mongrel in him, but (laughs) he's just an idiot. Yeah, sometimes he just does stuff. You're like, oh, it's just not necessary. All right, so
0: Haas, uh, really unfortunate weekend for them. They finished in 17th and uh, a DNF for Roman Let's talk about Williams for a change, not the first mm, team that we talk about. Hey, uh, your man, Robert, finished ahead of George Russell this time around.
1: Yeah, they put George Russell on a two-stop, which was interesting. Um, yeah, he pitted very early, didn't he? Very, but then they pitted him later on in the race, which put him behind Kubica as well. I'm not yeah. too sure what was going on there. I don't think his position behind Kubica was relative to how quick he was, but... Again, Williams are having such a bad season that they're just probably trying. They're probably definitely trying things during the race, just to f- see what happens. Because they're a glorified test team at the moment. Well, that's exactly right. They're testing so, during a race weekend. Yep. And Latifi was in FP one. Yep. Yep. Instead of, and he was in place for, um, George Russell. Yeah. I don't understand why he wouldn't pull Kubica out of the car. I think they're trying to share the love around a little bit, aren't they? <sighs> Management. All right,
0: there you go. comes back to that, Management. doesn't it? <clears throat> so, look, I think you, you, you probably, if you haven't been listening to uh, this podcast for a while, you, you will have missed that Williams has always been towards the back of the pack, if not at the back of the pack. And we've been saying it for a couple of times that uh, Kubica has had this stellar return. He is an amazing example of what you can achieve when you really put your mind to it. The but experiment is over. But you've entered a team that has... Really got nothing to give you. George Russell came uh, as the champion from F2 last year, an incredible drive uh, at his last race of all, might I wanted to say. But he really, very talented kid,
1: and he's up there. He is up there with Lando. He beat Lando in F2. Yeah, and, and Kubica said this after the race too, when he asked about the gap between him, and he said, oh, I think this kid's one of the best talents we've ever seen in F1. So, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's Kubitz are just covering his backside a bit, but there's probably some genuine. I think he's right. Some genuine truth in what he's saying. The, um, the one, I don't think we've seen what George Russell can do in a Formula One. I
0: was going to say, yet. do you know what? The one thing I would love to see is him in a Mercedes just to have a have a laugh, mate. See what he can do. It just would be an incredibly different approach. I mean, it was a different car, so you'd have to wind up to it. But you know what I mean? Like just that regular talent in that car. If he took VB's spot. Which is every likelihood. Why would you bring Ocon back anyway? But it, that's a that is a whole thing. The, hey, the only thing that uh,
1: I was going to mention this before. The only thing we know about George Russell at the moment in F one is that he's beating Kubica, and that's it. And that he takes out
0: uh, breaking board markers, those styrofoam things, <laughs> with his car. Well, maybe that's why they pitted him because he had yeah. a problem with his front um, wing. And I, I think to begin with, everyone thought that it just his front left tire collected the board, but it was mm, his wing well. as well. Okay. So that's. So did they change the wing on that second stop? They must have done. Yep. They must have done. But uh, right. that was him going around the outside of Kubica uh, at a spot that realistically you don't see many people going around the outside of again. That would
1: be his only mistake for
0: the year, wouldn't it? Yeah, but even then, it's probably not even a mistake. If the board wasn't there, he would have been fine. I mean, the board, obviously, he, <laughs> he probably was off
1: the track. It was the same corner. He should have gone up the inside lock, don't he? Did, but
0: <laughs> no, he would have got, we'll got a five-year penalty uh, <laughs> because the FIA have absolutely no idea what they are doing with their life. Hey, let's talk about Alfa Romeo and um, Antonio Giovinazzi doing very little again. Uh, but I thought he started pretty well. He just didn't really
1: follow through, did he? Outqualified qualified Räikkönen. Yeah. But he started that race on the red tyre, whereas yeah, Räikkönen, Räikkönen did say that he didn't get the max out of the car. He made a mistake in qualifying. Mm. But qualifying in 10th or 11th, wherever Räikkönen did, allowed him to make the tyre choice that he wanted for the race, which was ultimately the better, the better race tyre for the race management and the race pace. So... It's-
0: Hards were, were where it was at. Mediums and hards, I think, is the combination because softs just degraded really quickly. Yeah, we saw massive track temperatures. Yes, yes. Classic south of France, this time of year attitude, yep. which is the complete opposite of Melbourne at the moment, which yes. is two oh. degrees, which is a whole real thing. Uh, but that is that is good. Okay, so uh, Raikkonen, let's talk about Raikkonen. Um, he sort of picked himself up a little bit, but he is... Sort of fading into no man's land a little bit campier this this year, isn't it? We said this last year, we, we hate to see him sort of so far back, but he's becoming a bit the, of a grey man.
1: This is the third race that he scored points in. <clears throat> yep, which is really great for So he's Alpha. had two seventh place finishes and a ninth or a tenth. Yep. So, I mean, he's got a good bag of points compared to, i.e., Ricardo Hulkenberg, who are only mm. on 18 points at the moment. And mm. he's, what, on 13 or 14? Yep. But, yep. So um, I think he's he's performed where he's needed to perform, but the car's just not there. It's, it, we we would love to see Kimi up the front still. and We're racing. massive fans, yeah, aren't we? He's great to have around. It's easier to keep him in F1 than not. And I think if we see him for another couple of years, that'll be great. But we don't want to see him so far back. No.
0: But... This is Formula One, isn't it? It it's is, very, very unfortunately. Uh, you know, but I suppose a good thing is Kimi could stay for another 10 years in Formula One and people would still be happy to have him because he's that talented as a person. I don't think age is actually indicative
1: for him of, of his talent. No. And the consistency throughout his career, he's never been the quickest guy. He's never been a, a Lewis Hamilton on one lap or a... Yep. Alonso well, he's, over race let, distance. Let's
0: compare him to his fellow countryman. He's never been a Mika Hakkinen. No, he stepped into that into that void in McLaren, and just didn't have it. Mika had this whole thing, didn't he? And Schumacher used to speak about how much he loved racing against Mika. Yep. Kimi just didn't. I just don't think had the same thing. But and that's okay because he's a lot him. I
1: don't think Raikkonen's performance has dropped off. Say so if we compared no. to where he was at ten years ago. To where he is now, it's pretty comparative. Do
0: you know what it is though? And why not?
1: If you were going if teams were thinking about bringing Alonso back in, oh yeah, why wouldn't a team choose to take Raikkonen over Alonso? You're right, just he's... because of continuity and consistency yep. in the yep. sport and things yep. like that. So, I'd love to see him round. He's great. I think he's <coughs> going to stay for a lot longer than someone like Sebastian Vettel, for example. We'll, we'll get to that. But there are hints. Yeah some hints being thrown around about him retiring at the end of the year or moving on
0: oh I got, he got married last week didn't he just before the race so he
1: some was big milestones a really he in good mood
0: all weekend wasn't he oh he was so happy to be there too <laughs> 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 That's kind of what he was singing yeah, he underperformed this weekend we'll get to we'll get
1: we'll to get it. to that yep. Cesar.
0: uh all right let's
1: talk what a, about Je and Nancy, quickly yeah go on he's done I don't think he'll be in
0: so let's, next just, year. let's just war game this a bit, Campy, because... I don't know a lot about him. No, no. Well, I'm I'm going to say I agree with you. I don't think Geo's going to stay around. So I just want to war game. This is kind of like some mid-year predictions of what's going to happen with this driver's market yep. thing. Okay. God. So we've got... This I love time it.
1: next year will be the greatest time it's, go- it's go- speculation. Jesus, it's going to be huge be good, going into the we'll new We'll start regs. early
0: Uh, because I want to talk about the Ferrari Junior Racing program, okay? Uh, At the moment, the the real star who's in F2 is Mick Schumacher. We've spoken about him for a while, but let's just have a look at the current crop in F1, okay? There's a couple of drivers sitting on the outer that need a seat to come back into, and the one that I'm thinking of is Esteban Ocon. Yep. Uh, And... He is a Pascal and Pascal Verline, who I rate very highly, so do I, which is great. He now he was in Sauber. This is Sauber back in the time, guys. If you're listening and you don't really remember the blue and yellow cars, they weren't really doing anything. This is two, three, four, five years ago. Uh, Marcus Ericsson, Pascal Verline racing right at the very back of the pack. If you can imagine what Williams is now, that's what Sauber were a couple of years ago. Um, yep. and Alfa Romeo now, I should say. So that it's good to see that things can change, certainly. Like, that's a real thing. Even look at McLaren compared to last year. Huge difference, especially for this weekend. But if you were to say, Campy, all right, Bottas has to shift out of the way for Ocon because that's likely to happen if 3 doesn't continue to at least be up in the top two. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just yeah. saying this is, let's just see, worst case scenario, he has a rubbish rest of the year. His contract expires. He steps out of the way. Espen Ockan goes in. Now, where does Valerie Bottas go? You've come out of Mercedes. Do you go to Racing Point? Another Mercedes team. Uh, you've got two to choose from and you're not going to go to Williams because
1: you've come from there. I really don't know. Is this, I, I, don't that's, the, I don't think it's fascinating, isn't it? I think that's the way we look at it. Go we've on then. Got, I like, come on. We've bring got, it on. we've got, some guys, some development guys. You've got that um, Russian fella who raced last year that I always forget his name, you Sergei Sorokin. Gonna, whoa, you've shocked Sergei. me because I was going to say who,
0: yeah. I forgot his name the other day and had to look it up five times and then went, okay. Sergei so, Sorokin. Sergei probably deserves
1: a drive in F1. Yep. And he's not. You've mm-hmm. got Pascal and mm-hmm. Esteban Ocon. Mm-hmm. The guys coming up, you've got Latifi, mm-hmm. who's good mm-hmm. um, in F2 at the moment. Mick Schumacher is the one that will be in F1. Yep. So that's four, and there's, uh, what's the other guy, Artem Markalov, the Russian dude? There's a whole stack more, even more behind them. And that's five and six guys that are genuinely in the conversation to get drives. And we can't fit them in. The issue is, is who do you replace? Who do you take out? Bottas will definitely have a drive somewhere next year. Definitely. If it's not at Mercedes, it will definitely go somewhere else. Imagine him at Red Bull. Ooh. I don't think that would take him.
0: But just bring a Finn mindset to Red Bull. That yeah, would but, be sort of very, like, up and down with the world's upside down. Uh, anyway, yeah, you're right. Only,
1: there's only 20 drivers on this grid.
0: And not all of them deserve to be there. And there's
1: genuinely <laughs> probably 30 people that genuinely deserve to be there. Yep. So who do,
0: we, who do we leave out? Checo. I think he should go. I'm not a big fan well, anymore. You are not uh, going to
1: get rid of Lewis, Valtteri, Leclerc, Max, Sebastian, Carlos. Kimi's one of those ones we want him in the sport, but and the fans want him in the sport for the sake of youth.
0: There is you a could whole, get rid of him. Yep,
1: Hulk. Mm, I just
0: like the Hulk a lot, and I think he's, but he's just he's not had the right timing, has he? You are not going to get
1: rid of Lando. No, Gasly Sergio has too much money. And he's great for that Mexican, South American part yeah, of the world exactly. from a marketing campaign. True. So I can't see that happening. True. Stroll's not going anywhere. True. Kvyat has been performing really well. He might be going up if anywhere. Yep. Albon has had a stellar start to his first F one career. A young Thai driver.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Gio- Giovinazzi.
1: Giovinazzi. Giovinazzi. Well, that's who. We're, that's where this discussion's talking about. Yep. I think there's better drivers that could replace him. Yep. I think Gio you're right. Bitsa, yep. You're not going to get rid of Russell. And then the only other two is Grosjean and Magnussen. And yep.
0: now we're... I noticed that you haven't spoken about Ricardo because, of course, he's staying and Gasly and you want to kick him well, out. Gasly, in
1: my opinion, is gone and I don't think... I don't think... Where's he going to go? Maybe Toro or so and don't... then being faded again? We've seen Red Bull do this with Kiviat, so it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Slip it around. But they obviously believe in him because they obviously thought he had a stellar year last year to promote him so early. So Gasly... He'll, knows. I think you'll be in F1 next year. So, but there's not a lot of room for movement. You're absolutely right. So let's and just there's take only it. Three that I can really think of that I say. And, and
0: the only Ferrari guy is Mick Schumacher. That's my point. So you got to bring it back down to the only Ferrari
1: racing development driver. That's why Giovinazzi goes. Go right. So because they're gonna raise, they're gonna lay the red carpet out for him.
0: Of course they are, because he's going to be worth a stack of money. A stack of money. That's yep. it. He's not the most talented driver in F two at the moment. Latifi
1: is so much better. Anyway, we will look. but the kid can drive, and he's had some great results. And remember, this is the this is the first year in that F two car. Did Ralph Schumacher have a son? Uh, not sure. That would be interesting. Wouldn't
0: suddenly if he's you got have some
1: good racing pedigree, though, right?
0: But how, I really valued Ralph as a driver as well. Obviously, not anywhere near as good as as Michael. But if you put, but Ralph if Ralph had a separate, been in that team.
1: Oh yeah, he geez. would have stolen a lot of race wins.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, he. Oh, yeah, anyway, yeah, he's got some like, great yeah. memories of, of watching the, him in races as well. So uh okay, that's why. Oz F one, we're calling it. It is. Uh, it is the the middle. Oh, just i just because I say towards the middle of the year, and we're calling it now. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see what happens when it comes to the driver swap time of the year, and we saw indeed uh, signs flip across to Renault, and. um and Toro Rosso changing out for Brendan Hartley came in, and they, he was pulled out of the world. Was it World Touring Cars he was doing at the time? He was anyway, he Was doing FIA. The, uh, the, uh, sorry, the W C. The W C. Stuff. So that is yeah. Anyway. Interesting, interesting stuff. I'm I'm actually excited for the rest of the year. So, Alfa Romeo, that is done and dusted. Hey, we were talking about Danny Kvyat, so let's talk about Toro Rosso and Alexander Albon. They finished in 14th and 15th, Danny finishing 14th, and Alex finishing in 15th. A really interesting race for them this time around because they did not start
1: well at all. Again, their car's not great on these super... Like the last two races we've seen, super power-sensitive circuits, and they haven't been that good. Was Kvyat drove amazingly to mm. not score a point in Canada. Mm. Kiviat got the job done again. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. He beat his teammate in qualifying and the race. So he drove well, but it was a nothing weekend for them because the track characteristics and the cars, everything this year, in
0: that mid-pack. See so. what? The, the motor that they've got though is doing very well. And I think the data that they collected last year for Red Bull this year has established them as a strong performer because you're watching those guys, even without DRS, against the Alphas and against Haas and the the racing points as well. So, you know, the other engine manufacturers and yep. Renault when they're up around them. They're doing good stuff. Like the power is there. The speed traps, it's pretty – they're on par with a lot
1: of everything else that's going on. So that's pretty cool. Hey, and they, only, they didn't finish that far behind their sister team. In Pierre Gasly. Well, and we'll
0: uh, we'll talk we'll about there, Red Bull in a bit, but uh let's just earmark Danny Kiviat as someone who is who is definitely interesting for the for the moment and indeed yep. um well, we'll come to it a bit
1: later. Well Helmet Marco okay, was, right. was seen having meetings with Kiviat's manager on the weekend. Yep. I'm not
0: you're a rumor-driven mongrel. That's what you are. That's all you do. Well, we, you you we breathe a, on it. I
1: don't. I don't think we need to get too much into this rumor at the moment. No, but stranger pool, things have happened. We've heard a lot of rumors about Pierre Gasly going places. So yep. when these meetings, and they're probably quite standard meetings from Albert Marcos' end, having with his drivers and managers at some point during the year, it's convenient they're all in the same place yeah, in a mean, race weekend. I don't yep. want to buy too much into that, but I do. We've heard too many rumors about. Pierre Gasly over the last three weeks and where his seat is at Red Bull, that, mm. that's why these rumours start coming to fruition, right? I want to talk about,
0: oh, okay. So let's, let's finish there on Toro. So let's talk about Racing Point. Uh, let's talk about Lance and Sergio. So Sergio finishing in 12th and Lance finishing in 13th uh, this time around. So both outside the points.
1: Campy Checo. Stroll had a great race pace this weekend. And he was consistent again, wasn't he? He's picked that up from Canada. and But he had the same – he went with the same strategy as Canada. Yep. Just going to go really long on the hard. Hopefully I can hold some of the people behind me up so that I'm not too far behind at the end of the race. Yeah. It didn't work out as well as Canada did. No, true. He drove pretty bloody well. He just needs to sort his
0: qualifying out. And he just needs to sort his attitude out. I said this last time around, you know, you, you see him in front of the media – he just doesn't feel like he desperately wants to be there, does he? Yeah. Do you he know got, what I mean? He got asked
1: a hard question about his gap to check out in. Uh, yes. Yep. In qualifying, in his post qualifying interview. Yeah. And it was almost like the reaction to the question from Natalie Pinkham was, "Who are you to ask me that question?" Yeah. And I was, just, he's not. I don't think he's all there, but. Daddy's team. Well, Makes a big difference, doesn't it? But he drove his race. His racecraft seems to be quite good, and it's getting better. And I went at him. And I went on him. I've been really held myself back not to go on him because of his dad, and it's his dad's race team, and because I think he'll be around for a long time. Yeah,
0: he'd be someone else. And I right went. In,
1: I went at him at Monaco because of his terrible performance in qualifying. I called him a boy. I think. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I definitely did. But in the last two races, his, his qualifying hasn't been there. Not even close. But he's, his race craft has been really good. And maybe his driving style suits these. Yeah, I was going to
0: say, it's interesting because we've had sort of almost two similar circuits in a in row, row yeah. uh, where that's, that's been a thing. But um, certainly for the next time out. Austria. So we've got Austria in the Red and Moor the in. UK and then Germany afterwards. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be ring. exciting.
1: And what about Checo?
0: I'm not. I'm not a fan of Checo anymore. I'll be perfectly honest, Campy. I think there's a lot of. I think you. We're talking about the, the drivers outside the fold. He's had it a turn.
1: Yeah, he had his shot at McLaren in the in one of the top teams, and just wasn't. And it was probably too early to promote him too. Yes, but he didn't perform there. And going back, it, for me, he's a bit like a Hulkenberg. All the yes. talent. Yeah. Pops up in the right time, right places where he should be, but again, there's. Yeah, I don't. I I've, I've put him in that same category as Hulk. Shows a lot of promise, but is he ever going to get a top drive? Probably not. Right. But as I said, he's great for marketing South America for Formula One. So he, he isn't going anywhere. No,
0: which is it is what it is, isn't it? Can't yep. be anything else. All right.
1: Now at least he's beating his teammate. That's all he can do
0: now i 'm going to go up the order of the the driver's standings as of the end of the race, uh, but it doesn 't actually mean the physical standings of where they cross the line though can't good, be good. Um, because well yes mm. okay let 's talk about renault i, I am if okay if you've watched if you haven 't watched the race, you need to just uh stop the podcast right now, get onto Google, get onto YouTube, and search Daniel Ricardo French grand Prix 2019 last lap or penalties or whatever. You can hop on the F1 website if you want and have a look at it out because Camby and I just recapped the video a couple of times just before we started this. And basically on the last lap, Danny Rick has been fighting, trying to get Lando Norris. Norris has been sitting in seventh. Ricardo has been sitting in eighth for what feels like an eternity. He finally has a run on Norris and Norris is struggling with his car. He's got some hydraulic issues, which means he hasn't been able to use DRS for the last ten to fifteen laps. Not that
1: he had it anyway, but
0: right. Even if he was getting close enough to Carlos, yep. he he wouldn't have had it. Uh, and it has meant that the steering has been heavier. Yep. Okay. So this there's some other things, and even his you know his mechanic got on the on the radio and said, "You're just going to have to deal with it, mate." Yep. Uh, and deal with it. He did, but. So last lap, TV director moves the, all of the cameras away from what is going on between uh, Hulkenberg and Lando and Kimi and Danny Rick. And then you've got old mate Gasly just somewhere about five, six seconds behind those guys as well. And we're coming into the chicane in the middle of the straight, if you know what we're talking about.
1: And it's a dumb chicane. It is a dumb chicane. Place,
0: But Daniel Rick goes, he he gets Lando with DRS and he's around the outside and he breaks late. He does the Daniel Ricciardo honey badger breaking manoeuvre. And outbraked himself a bit. At uh, just a touch, he sort yep. of caught himself out. Not by that much. No, and look, he did leave the track, okay? He went around he Lando, did. he left the track, but he was coming back to the track. At no point did he just cut straight across the chicane. He came yeah. back towards it, and then when you're turning like,
1: left... It's not like he gained an advantage by doing what he did.
0: Apparently he did, though, according to the stewards, who know everything about racing. Everything. Tell me more, FIA, about how useful you are as an organisation. No, you're not. Uh, okay, so he goes around the outside there. He leaves gets a five-second penalty for leaving the track and gaining an advantage, allegedly. But I'm pretty sure when you go over the rumble strips of a kerb, you don't go faster. What would I know, though? Absolutely yeah, those nothing. Those rumble strips
1: are there to help cars slow down in the event of an accident. Right. And when they go off track. So by Danny Rick driving over those things and still getting the overtake done suggests to me that It was a dumb way to go. It's a disadvantage, not an advantage. But look, this is the third, and we're biased by Danny Rick. Obviously. I just want to make two things clear. This was a different incident to what happened between Vettel and Hamilton last week. Absolutely right. In no way did Danny Rick cut people off. No. Did no way did he cause them... Undue safety safety in wearing No one he had to slam on car. the brakes.
0: No one had to move their car significantly, like what Hamilton uh, apparently did, even though you were both yeah, wrong last but time. This, right? but is the okay. third,
1: this is the third week in a row, third race in a row that I've been very critical of the stewards. Yep. And they need to get this stuff right because they do. I mean, one five second penalty for the two incidents, I could possibly understand. But two five seconds, was just... So let's talk about the second one. So he's come out of the
0: chicane and immediately... No one wants to see it. Okay, so Danny... And we didn't see it on the television either. Danny gets in front of Lando. We didn't see the on television, bloody director. The, we, don't, we don't see Lando in front of Danny. So Daniel's got Lando. But then out to the right comes our man, Kimmy. He comes along and is flying. Good Who on him. Who took
1: the better race line,
0: yeah, by the Yeah, because of way, course he did. Cause that's because that's his jam. Ricardo outbraked himself. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so. so that goes around. So, but Danny's is right behind Kimmy. So he's caught. He's caught in the slipstream. This is a good thing for him. He picks up the speed. He's got two ways to go, left or right, and in the split second he makes the call to go on the right now. This is still a straight line. If you go to the left-hand side of Kimi Räikkönen's car, there is the track. If you go to the right-hand side, there is a little less track with a blue section indicating the track limits. Which um, is
1: slower. Which apparently is slower. To drive on. Right. So, As I said, the whole point of these red and blue strips is to slow, slow people, people down in, the, the, in so, the case that they're spinning.
0: The car has gone... Off the track, in inverted commas, even though it is in a straight line, if he had gone the other side, it would have been totally fine, and he didn't, he decided to go this side. So he goes off the track to gain a lasting advantage. Well, yes, it's called overtaking, and he gets a penalty. Now, how can the, the, you possibly the, the say penalty, that that
1: the, is worth it? The penalty was for because when he re-entered the track, Hulkenberg got pushed wide and I just sit there. Um, look, mate, get it together. It's the third race in a row we've been talking about these penalties. I g- agreed with the Hamilton Vettel one last week. Yep. They stuffed up in Monaco with Max's penalty. Yep, yep. In the time and the duration they took to do it. Yep. They had ample amount of time to make a proper racing decision on this one, and they've, they have they completely they messed shit it up. The bed. Maybe I want to stop talking about it. Maybe it's Gasly. let's talk about it. Ricardo again, yep. out Hulk. Yep. So 7-1. Yep. Spanked him in the... Didn't spank him in the race in the last two races, but ahead of him, and he needs to beat him. And we expect Hulk to be that close. Yep. As Absolutely. Well, but Danny Rick's got the upper hand on that. I've...
0: He does, and he's getting his head around that car more and more each time he jumps in it, and the Renault engine upgrade certainly made a huge difference this time around as well.
1: Well, we look at...
0: Look at McLaren too, and that's who we'll move on to next. They were doing look, I yeah okay. Let's finish on Renault. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really sad. Um, Campy's really sad. Tommy T, we're going to talk for you, mate, is really sad. Obviously devastated. the The final outcome then is Kimi Raikkonen finishes in seventh. Nico Hulkenberg finishes in eighth. Lando Norris finishes in ninth. Pierre Gasly finishes in 10th. Oh, Pierre Gasly. And Daniel Ricciardo finishes in 11th. Now, outside no, of the points. Nothing pleased me more to see Danny Rick take Gasly, can I just say? Overtaking his oh, old happy seat. Was it? Happy I was like, was it? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> this oh. is. It was just a whole thing to see. But anyway, after two five-second penalties, instead of being 7th, he finishes in 11th, and after Gasly, who was not even really bloody involved in that whole thing. So I'm sorry, FIA stewards, if you're listening, because of course you are, because everyone listens to this podcast. You guys are stupid. You have no idea what you're doing. You need to get out of the way.
1: And he lost six points as well in the constructors and to his driving. Just like, For What? Oh, I know. This is it is just beyond a joke. And the best thing about the whole weekend was Danny Rick's interview afterwards. Yep, I said, "What do you think about?" It? And He said, "Ah, oh, fuck them all." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and like that's what we want to see.
0: And you know, he was sort of saying, "And good on him." I'm not going to just sit behind and be a loser. I'm going to take a bloody crack and and go around. And go around. He did, by the way. He he would have. He crossed the line in seventh, guys. Yeah, that's where he physically was. Yeah, and yes, it's different to Sebastian and Lewis last time. It is Very different. different. It is it is different. There is no, yeah, there was no significant danger, immediate danger to a driver like we saw with Canada. Even though you guys are wrong, I'll accept that Lewis had to slam on the brakes. Okay, fine, fair enough. That's all we'll talk about it. Let's go and talk about McLaren now. Lando, my man, my second man, and I know you don't like him, but driver of the day.
1: I'm still off him from Monaco. How on earth did he get driver of the day? I had
0: multiple ISPs going at once and kept voting for him just because I knew it would annoy you. (laughs) Mate,
1: beaten by his teammate, Ah, Carlos. Out-qualified him. Carlos passed him off the start. Yep. Was complaining like a child behind Carlos, going "Let me pass him. This is ridiculous." When the next car up the road was forty seconds, yeah. so he's got a bad attitude. This is karma. This is biting him back from the bum in Monaco and not having a spine. How did he get driver of the day? Got I told you because I just he got beaten it. by his teammate. <laughs> this is stupidity. Oh,
0: I really like Aunt Lando. If you're listening, Lando, of course you are, because everyone does to this podcast. Uh, no, mate. Mate, I will take you out for a gin. You're in purgatory, buddy. I'll take you for a drops of juniper gin and tonic, mate, when uh, you're in Australia <laughs> next year around. There's a cheeky plug
1: for you if you know what you're listening to. And once again, Mr. James Paul is <laughs> too opinionated for his own good. <laughs> Should be a politician. That's if not, I was in control of that one, I'd shut last him night. for five minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the good news is, you're not. Uh, you really? Carlos. Carlos did have a good start. You're absolutely right. Uh, he did? Look, the McLarens together actually drove very well for each other. As a team, they drove pretty well this weekend. And you know what? Zach Brown had no interest or nothing to gain by swapping them around and putting Lando no. in front. This was it a was good points hole for them. And uh, even after uh, Danny Rick's, Little thing, Lando's very lucky to finish with two points. Yep, because he was going for one point. That you know he was going to finish in tenth after being in seventh. So seventh, if you don't know, is is six. It it, it doubles itself. So tenth gets one, ninth gets two, eighth gets four, etc. That that's sort of way along. Uh, well, six, seven, it sort of adds yep. to anyway. It's it's interesting, but
1: again, but the Renault engine, they have both got Renault engines in the car, and it's this is another tick in the box for Renault. This is oh, where we yes. expected. to this yes. engine and these cars to be from the start of the season yes and this is
0: next year is going to be interesting hey I'm uh,
1: not not too sure about next year yet okay they're definitely not they're nowhere near the top three teams
0: you're absolutely right yep
1: I think that I think both cars have to develop and and be way better than what they are I'm talking about the chassis now yep. and the mechanical yep. grip of these cars need to be to move up the next level the engine's pretty good Compared to the rest of the – the engines are pretty good. We just need these team – we just need these – yeah, the aerodynamics and these mechanical grip on the chassis of these cars to take that next step like the motor has in order for them to jump up to these next –
0: I'm really excited to see McLaren back up there again. You know, it was
1: really disappointing last year, wasn't it? Well, last week we saw Renault best qualifying since 2010, and then this week we saw – McLaren's best qualifying so Renault's engine is heading in the right direction and they've ticked another box it's exciting it uh, it's
0: very good and that's a whole thing hey let's talk about how McLaren was sort of chasing Red Bull a bit and we've got some other things to talk about off the back of Red Bull Honda but let's talk about your whipping boy first. As I said, he somehow got into the points through no good driving of his own. But he
1: finished in 10th. How that guy finished on track 11th and did not score a point baffles me.
0: Now, can you just talk us through what he has been complaining about in the car at the moment? Uh,
1: I, look, I haven't really followed it too well, but... I saw an interview where he said, I can't drive this car anywhere near where I drove the Toro Rosso last year to the limit. This car slides out and around everywhere. I've got no grip, no mechanical grip. The engine seems to be all right, but he goes, I can't even utilize its power because he thinks there's something inherently wrong with the car. And it could be driving style, but I don't – mate, I cannot remember the last time we've seen a gap so big between two drivers.
0: Yep. It's not even I mean, happening the at the car, back of the pack. <laughs>
1: the car is car is great. The car is good. We've seen him and Max is a star. Yeah, he's in one of the top three drivers that I think we've probably seen in the last two decades, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But to be that far back in a car like this, I can understand putting some of it down to the car, new team, trying to adapt. But mate, he's underperforming, and we've heard a lot of hints and rumours and innuendo going around that F1 paddock in the public that we know, Mm -hmm. that we're hearing about to suggest that what I've been talking about since race two... Yep. (laughs) Kvyat is going to come up and take it. Well, we also heard Hulkenberg could possibly move. That would have been a whole thing. We heard that after Canada, and we didn't actually talk about it on the podcast. No, you're right. They're the rumours that are circulating, and good on Red Bull.
0: Yeah, it's one way of... Act quickly. Well, it's also one way of... uh, just seeing if that kind of pressure actually improves his driving. It's not. Not improving sure if it's it. the
1: pressure. No, I don't think it's the pressure. I'll just put him back down to Tyrosso. Rosso. Let's see how he compares to Albon, who's been performing pretty well. Not as good as Kvyat, but it's his first year too. Put him back down and see where he's really at. I mean, if we put Kvyat the way he's driving up into that top team, I don't think he's going to beat Max but no. I think he's going to be within three-tenths.
0: He's going to be in the top six, and that's what we're not seeing at the moment. We're seeing the top six is the sixth position is either McLaren or it's Renault or it's Racing Point or it's Toro. It's just not always Red Bull, and that if you're a top three team and you're not having cars in the top six, both of your cars in the top six, there is an issue with what's going on. Do you talk about Max real quick? About- I'm, just,
1: I'm just looking at the constructors here. Ferrari on hundred and. 98. 98 and Red Bull 137. So, look, Red Bull have a genuine chance. They've got a car to take away second place. Yep. I think you're absolutely right. The way that Pierre's performing at the moment, they're not even going to get close to it. Well, you can't do it with a car that's
0: outside of the points each time around. And the majority of those points are max. They're all max, except
1: for 32 or something. Yep. Which is like, come on, guys, really. Move him on, get rid of him. I said he was shit from the start of the year. I stand by it. I still think he's shit, and he's not performing.
0: And we both think that Danny Kiviat's going to be, and I think Tommy's of the same opinion that Kiviat's going to come up and take him. He's a logical choice. He's in the Red Bull fold, uh, and Red Bull are known for sweating <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't right? think Kiviat deserves it
1: yet. No, but I don't think he's going to have – I don't think – Yeah, Red, we know what Red Bull do. They promote yeah. within – They. Yep. They don't look outside of their square. Yep. But possibly maybe maybe Vettel could go back there.
0: Or Alonso comes in because <laughs> he's shit the bed All with the, bloody
1: the Red Bull have offered Indy. him a contract every year for the last six years anyway. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> don't believe either of them, let's be honest. Winner. But yeah, I mean there's there's some genuine things that could happen. So Yeah, it's very interesting. Because isn't Seb's it? not Seb's on the outer at Ferrari. I've said this the last three yeah. podcasts. Yep. But he's not – again, he's not being
0: supported by Ferrari. He's
1: not. They're not honouring him by giving him a car. And Ferrari how, have gone how, back to – How long do you wait – realistically, how long do you wait around for a team to get their shit together? Yeah, and – well, not that long. Well, Seb is Red Bull's golden child. Yep. They would have him back like that. Yep, absolutely. So
0: – And you, well, you're looking – but this is kind of – we're in the era of Ferrari, like the the Jody Schechter kind of – between that and Michael Schumacher, we're in no man's land for Ferrari again, and it's just sort of—I
1: don't think Charles the driver either. I don't think he's proved himself that that much this year.
0: But I also don't think Ferrari is the team that anyone thought it was going to be this year. Nah. You know, nah. and it's just really disappointing. It is okay, and right. well, let's finish on Ferrari. We're not finish on Ferrari, but let's talk about Ferrari um, very quickly, and then we'll finish the Mercedes, and then we'll talk about. Uh, I think, are uh, the regulations side yes. note because yep. I want to just get through these two guys, uh, these two drivers, uh, teams, I should say. So we've just spoken about Charles. He finished in third. He, he tried to challenge Bottas at the end, but it wasn't really it was much nothing. of a thing. A nothing. Um, Sebastian finishing in fifth way in no man's land, got fastest lap and another That's point.
1: he had a poor qualifying, but. And Seb qualified poorly. Yep. As, and you think about a bounce back from last week and what happened. The emotions running high. To come out... And, and he got married. I know, so he should be on top of the world, right? Allegedly. Allegedly, but <laughs> who knows? He's German. <laughs> <laughs> he had a very efficient wedding. Very. <laughs> 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 but we don't... Re- to come out and perform while in qualifying, his race was fine. His race pace was comparable and if not better than Leclerc's from memory. But, jeez, that's... It's just a oh, nothing reckon, team, isn't it? Ferrari's just a uh, bit of a... That's a bit of a uh, dagger uh, through right. the heart, it, in my opinion. Like, yeah. that's... That, we could look back at this and say, this was the race where the higher-ups at Ferrari made their decision about Seb. Yep. Should have got the race win, and shit the bed, come out next weekend all all the emotions and the fireworks that are brewing underneath and to come out and perform like that. Yeah. It's not good for yeah. him.
0: And it's not fair on him because it's, it's not, not an accurate representation of him as a driver, is nope. it? Nope. All right. Let's talk about Mercedes very quickly. Okay. They came first and second. All right. Now moving on. Too good. Very
1: good. <laughs> again. He wasn't that far off. No, but he just,
0: if he doesn't, the thing is with him, if he doesn't get it in qualifying, that's it. He's not winning the
1: race. Yeah. It's a tough one. I, I think Valtteri's going to win at least four more races this year. Yeah, I agree. But he—it's only if when he look performs at, in qualifying. If you look at the races coming up, like Spa and onwards, yep. the f- next four races after Spa. Sorry, um, they're not Hamilton's strongest suit, and historically he hasn't b- performed super well at those tracks. Um, and I think Bottas could possibly get a few wins, but. Hamilton seems to have found something in that car as well. He seems to be gelling with it, and I as I I can't say Mercedes getting beaten all year.
0: No, well I'm just having a look at. So we've got Spa, we've got um, there's Italy, Singapore, Russia, Japan, Mexico, the US, Brazil, Abu Dhabi to go after that, and they're
1: all Mercedes tracks aren't they? Constructors is locked up. Think. The championship is locked up. But all it takes is for Lewis to have one mechanical and Valtteri's right back in it. Yep, yep, yep. yeah. absolutely so, right, actually. I mean, we don't write it off. Valtteri's nowhere near it. Look, mate, Lewis has won seven out of the last, six out of the last seven races. And that's telling. I really think at the end of next year, we could be looking at a guy that's a seven-time world champion with more pole positions and more race wins than Mr. Schumacher. Yeah. Wouldn't
0: that be a a stunning stat that no F one fan actually wants to accept? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? What makes it for the Mercedes fanboys and the Lewis fanboys? But
1: he's good, right? He's doing it. He's doing it, and he's he's on that projection. He could have genuinely fifteen or sixteen wins this year, which is
0: it's huge. It is right. Now, thank you for staying with us. I know yeah. this is one of the longer podcasts that we've done, but there's been a lot to get through. Uh, and, we look, we, we love chatting about it. But I just want to talk very quickly about uh, the regulation changes. And we're talking about McLaren and Red Bull bring pretty close to each other, Campy. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk… McLaren and Reno. Sorry. You want to talk about… Um, sorry, McLaren and Reno, you're absolutely right. Talk about what's actually going on, uh, some rumours and what we're looking for for, for
1: 2021. So what they've done is they've pushed back – normally what happens when we get a regulations overhaul, the plan from about three years ago was to get a total overhaul of the car. We're talking no longer a turbo hybrid, go back to a V10 turbo, which sounded more amazing, get the cars lighter, but trim the aero back so it's easier to follow. When we started hearing these things when Liberty took over a couple of years ago, Mm. that was the path they've taken. They were supposed to have the new 2021 regs out with some spending caps on what the teams can spend as well. At the moment, we've got none of that. It's good. But they've pushed it back another two months. They've decided that they're going to stay with the turbo hybrid engine, which is, in my opinion, Rookie shit for sport. Yep. May not Yep. It may not be the best solution short term. Long term, I actually think it's probably pretty good because it gives them another couple of years to mm. figure out talking about more races, you know, potentially 25 races in a year, which oh. is great for the fans. Yep. It's annoying for the teams. All the teams. Not, it's, it's, but I think Liberty is getting a lot right. But this suggests to me that the regulations that they're trying to impose 2021, can't get a good – they can't get a general consensus, hence why well, they pushed it back. I know Lewis Hamilton was invited to a – a meeting about the new regulation, he said, do not make these cars heavier. That is the dumbest thing you can do, hmm. is make them heavier. The brakes are already on the limits, and we're managing temperatures all over the place. That is the number one worst thing you can do. But he suggested that... That's the only thing he said about the... Like, that's concrete about the... um About these regulation changes. But he said that they are nowhere... They're not far enough down the line in what they're actually going to do for 2021 hence why we're seeing pushback for a couple of months, and he fully expects them to be pushed back again until they get together, which says to me that they're not really well prepared and their thoughts and ideas have been good, but the implementation of them have been poor. So,
0: It's going to be very interesting uh, to see what happens. i got it out. you knew, bloody nailed it. It's very, going to be very interesting to see what happens indeed over the next couple of months as we head closer towards geez, the end of 2019, I can't believe that we're in June already uh, wow. and and we look forward to Austria next time around. Campy, mate thank you so much for your time recapping uh, the French 29 Grand Prix. Hey, again if you've enjoyed this podcast and uh, it has been a bit more of one of our longer chats, uh, please feel free to subscribe and uh, give us some feedback, we love it. You can leave us a review on um, Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you take your podcasts don't forget to subscribe if you're listening to this on Spotify or anywhere else uh, we'd love your feedback you can hit us up on Instagram at ozf one or on Twitter at ozf one official that's A-U-S-F-1 uh, we are pretty bloody excited for Austria next time around uh, Red Bull's home race and let's just see what happens there might be a huge announcement about what is happening at Red Bull just after or before the race who even knows Ooh, hey that'd be nice and uh, we look forward to welcoming Tommy T back to the microphone as well uh, for now that's it, and we'll see you next time.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.